0: Well, it's definitely a rhetorical question that we sang in that that last song. Uh, The sound of saving grace is sweet. Amen? Hopefully you were uh, just so uh, rejuvenated by by thinking about Jesus Christ and his love for you, his unchanging love that before time that Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Spirit loved you. How sweet it is to think about God and who He is and what He has done for us. We'll open up your Bibles to John chapter 13. That's where we'll be uh, beginning this morning. And if you're looking around and you feel like, oh, these first rows are a a little sparse, it's because many of us at Lakeside are not with us this morning. Um, It was a great joy on Friday to send out not one, but two short-term mission teams, one to Honduras and one all the way across the world to Albania. And uh, by all accounts, it seems like uh, I know for sure that the Honduras team has arrived safely. I know the Albania team wasn't even scheduled to get in until uh, late last night. It's a long, long trek over there. Uh, But please continue to be in prayer uh, for those teams that God would use this time away in their own hearts to draw them closer to him, but also that God would be magnified and honored and, and glorified through their ministry and uh, that the, the churches that they're partnering with there would just be strengthened and in, encouraged. Um, please continue to to hold the rope as as we say in in prayer uh, for uh, for these friends as they as they're not with us. And also, Pastor Ken and his family have been uh, touring the great uh, northeast of America. Um, they've been spending time with with family up there. But also just getting to getting to spend some time seeing that area of the country as a, an immediate family, and we 're just so thankful for the Ramys and their ministry and just excited for them to get this time as a family uh, together. Well John 13 is wo- where we 'll be starting and, and today we 're we're, we're going to be looking at, at an aspect of, of the church and an aspect of, of being a, a, a Christian that I, I think sometimes in, in our, our greater culture and within what's called American Christianity uh, as a whole, we can, we can be slightly confused upon. Uh, it was a great joy to, to talk about evangelism uh, as a body on Wednesday night and, and for us to remember that you know, we so often want to think that evangelism is something for someone else to be doing, right? Not, not us, not, not me Uh, here at at Lakeside. That's for the Albania team to do and for the Honduras team to do. But me, who's not going to a a foreign country over the next two weeks, uh, we're on the local evangelism team, right? There are people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in our neighborhoods and at our workplaces and in this community. We need to be reaching out with them uh, for the gospel. We need to be proclaiming that to them, bringing it to them, God has given us that ministry. And that's something that, you know, we can look around at, at other churches and, and compare ourselves to them and other people. And we can tend to think that we are okay and that, you know, we, we're exactly where God wants us to be. And it's so good to just look at God's word because it, it continually refines us and, and it, it challenges us and it, it shows us uh, what, what joy we get to be uh, a part of the work that God is doing of of reconciliation, and and um, and I think there's another area that can be similar to that in, in American Christianity. It's almost like in American Christianity we play this this game of telephone with what God wants for us. How many of you uh, hearkening back to your childhood days remember the game of of telephone? Does anybody remember that? Or if you've got kids that are in that age, maybe they've they've uh, you know, and it's this goofy game, and it's kind of silly to see. You know, what happens, you start off by the first person whispering to the next person, time to go to school, and by the time it's passed around, it's morphed and, and it's Tim Kemright wears goofy shoes or, or something like that. He doesn't actually, but, you know, it's just, that's the way that it works, right? That as it gets passed along, if we're not going back to what the original thing was, we can become confused. There can be things lost in, in the shuffle there. And, and so we need to think, what, what is the church, what is this that we are doing together? What does God want that to look like? We, we need to constantly be looking back at the source of instruction that we have in God's word and not necessarily looking only to the examples that we see around us, but allowing our, our community here at Lakeside Bible Church to be refined and shaped by by God's word. And as I, as I was thinking about, you know, my heart is, is just uh, thinking so much about evangelism and the gospel and reaching out to lost people these, these days that I, I thought of this passage you know, as I was even thinking about um, speaking on this topic. And in John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus, after he's washed the disciples' feet, uh, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And if you've been with us on Wednesday night, we've been, we've been talking about our own testimony. We've been talking about living in a, a manner worthy of the gospel that uh, the way that we live our lives should be a testimony to the gospel. It should be a platform through which the gospel can be proclaimed. And it's so uh, important for us to focus on who we are in our character, that we are something before we proclaim something so that the gospel is is clear and not marred by our own testimony. And that's so important. But it seems the point that Jesus is making here in John uh, chapter 13, verse 35, is it's not just our own individual testimonies that will be uh, something that adorns the gospel and, and makes people want to inquire of, of why we are the way that we are and what God has done to make us that way. But perhaps even, even more than just the way that we live out our individual lives, the way that we live in our community here at Lakeside Bible Church will be a testimony to the gospel. That when we're, when we're gathering together and we're spending time and you're involved in the lives of other people at Lakeside Bible Church, that this is one of the ways that God has set up so that all people will know that we represent God here on earth, that we are his disciples, that we're his followers, that we've been changed by Jesus Christ. So I, I think it's this is just something that you know, we've talked about many times before, but I just see the need in my own heart, and my own life, to to constantly be refined, right? Because I, I so quickly can can slip into selfishness, you know, where I come and I gather with other people, but it's it, it could really be all about me if I'm not constantly asking God to refine me and to change me and to to grow me. So, uh, what I'd like to do uh, this this morning is is take a look at. What does biblical community look like? What is, the, what is the picture, the instruction, the model that God gives us for the way that we're supposed to interact with each other? And I, I know that um, it, this is challenging because I, I've even seen areas that I need to grow as I've studied this and thought about it and prayed through it uh, this week. And so the first thing that we'll see, turn actually over to 1 John chapter 1, is first we'll look at how biblical community functions together, and we, we will be in, in many different places this morning, so I hope that your fingers are adequately warmed, warmed up uh, this morning, but First John chapter, chapter 1, I hope my fingers are adequately warmed up this morning, First John chapter 1, that, that before uh, we really even talk about this, that this is even a debated topic, sadly, in our, in our culture uh, today, First John 1, let me read verses 1 through 4. John writes, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. If if you're taking notes, please just write down, and let's just make sure that we're all on the same page, that to be a Christian is to be saved into a community right that we're proclaiming these things to you so that you too may have fellowship with us so that you too may be brought into this fellowship that we enjoy and ultimately our fellowship is not ultimately about our our, our relationships person to person but that we have a shared relationship with God through his son Jesus Jesus Christ right that to be a christian is to be saved into a community it's a package deal it's all or nothing right there are many people who would say I, I love the benefits of not having to go to hell but I-, I don't want to have to gather with a group of people you know on any sort of of regular regular basis right don't don't we see I mean ha- probably if if my experience holds true that you know someone or know of someone who makes the statement I'm a Christian I just don't go to church Right. Is any, Anybody, we, can we have a show of hands just to see, maybe I'm way off. Okay, many of us, sadly, know someone who, who proclaims this, right? And I, I don't want to belabor this point, but I just want to make sure that we're, we're all on the same page. Maybe if you, even if you're visiting here or you've got extended family or relatives or, or neighbors, to, to become a Christian is to be welcomed into and added to the church, right they, they, they cannot be separated right and we even see in in Hebrews chapter 10 if you were to turn over there to verse uh, 20 24 and 25 that that God gives us instruction on this it's not that this is an ambiguous issue that we can feel free to disagree on certain things there's actually commandments given to the people of God that we need to obey that help us to see that this is not optional this is essential This is a key aspect of what it means to live for the Lord, what it means to walk in a manner worthy of his calling. Let me read verses 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Read this, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day, drawing near that there is a group of people it happened in this day it continues to happen in our day that it's the habit of some that they are not gathering together with a body of believers with any amount of, of frequency we're not talking about you know perfect spotless church attendance but we're talking about identifying and gathering together with a group and community of fellow believers right there's it's the habit of some that neglect to meet together. That's not optional for us, right? That is the will of God. If we want to follow him, that means that we've got to come together. We've got to gather together. We have to be with his people, right? That to be a Christian is to be saved into a community, right? I hope that that was just kind of a foundational point that I hope that we're all on the same page on. And I hope that God is even using us to gently come alongside maybe those that we know that would say, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. And we can help them to see God's will for them and encourage them of all the the blessings that God has intended to come through uh, identifying with a local body of believers, right? So there's some in our society who would say, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. And then there are many others who do go to church to a church, and, and that, what that means, if you were to poll a hundred different people on what does it mean to go to church, what does it mean to be part of a church, you might get 99 different answers from, from people, right? That there's so many varying uh, ways that churches go about things and views that people have on, on, on church. Some might say that it's attending a church. When they say, I'm a part of this church, they mean that, that that's the place I go to occasionally, Right, some it's Christmas, Easter. Right, I go, I go to I go to that that church. You know, once, twice, uh, twice a year. Others, it's hey, maybe once a month. I, I gather at at this this place. Um, many it's uh, when it's convenient when I when I don't have better things to do or things that seem more uh, important at the time. The grass is growing kind of high, so I got to skip church to cut that uh, today. When when it's convenient, right? There's many in our society today who have a very loose affiliation with the church. I'll, I'll attend it occasionally, and that's what they mean by being a part of a community, being part of a, of a church. And then there's definitely, we've seen the examples of many large churches where uh, it, it, it could be a program, right? That, that going to church means that I, I go somewhere on a Sunday morning and I consume the same content as everybody else who's breathing oxygen in in the room. And there's many that would view it that way. There's others that say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be more than just someone who shows up. I'm actually going to be involved to some level. I've got, you know, maybe a ministry that, that, I'm, that I'm a part of. But I, I think way too often in our society, and, and perhaps even too often here among Lakeside, it, it's a loose affiliation, right? There, There's, there's definitely a, a distance there. And, and, and I just want us to look, go to Go to Matthew chapter ten uh, for, for, a mo- for a moment um, that, that the church is, is much more connected, I, I think, than simply being in the same place at the same time and and seeing and hearing the same the same things for many people that 's what going to church means right and that 's very easy it's very it 's very natural it 's very very comfortable, but I think that that God. Uh, calls us to, to something more than that. That the church community, if, you, if you're writing down, that the, the, the church community should function as a tight-knit community, as a closely connected, not a loosely affiliated community, but, but close, dear, knit together. Look at how even just Jesus describes, right? When we think about that naturally, what's, what's perhaps the, the, the tightest and closest bonds that we see just naturally occurring? It's, it's the family, isn't it right? That that's what binds most people together in the tightest relationships, that we're brothers and we're brothers, we're sisters to the end. Uh, but, but look at even how Jesus positions the church in relation to physical family. He says in verse 34 of Matthew chapter 10, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Right? Isn't that what many people think? I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have, not, I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will, will find it. Now that's a passage that's not preached at, at many churches, and it's a challenging one, right? That God is not saying uh, He's against the family, but He is He is showing a, a priority of allegiance to Himself that so far supersedes our natural family inclinations, right? And don't we see examples of this uh, throughout our world? You know, anyone who s- gets saved comes to Jesus Christ in a Muslim country. What does that do to their family? Does it bring peace? You no. Know, sometimes quite literally, it brings the sword of the family wanting to put that family member to death, right, and, and even in America, right, even in our own, our own culture, don't we see that, that it's truly it's Jesus Christ that is the dividing line, right? It is the gospel that God has made the central focus that, that everything is built around that, right? That, that, we are, that we are a family. Turn over to, to, to Mark, right? And we'll see uh, another, another passage where Jesus addresses this. And, and he talks about his own family, right? Jesus Christ, the way he thought about his physical family, obviously had perfect love, perfect affection, uh, perfect tenderness and care and, and, and concern for his own family. But, but look at what he says in, in Mark chapter 3, verse 31. And it says, And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and, and mother. That, that the, the way that we function as a church family together in some ways should be even closer than a physical family, right? That we have, I mean, and I hope that you felt this even, even last Sunday, Sunday night, right? That we had, you know, people that for many of us had, had never even met, before. I think about Bosco coming up here and, and singing the song that he did in blessing us and blessing us again on on Sunday night. And I, and I thought about him and I just got a chance to talk to him uh, really, really briefly when the line died down. I was able to get just a, a few moments with him. And even in those few moments, right, I am closer to him who comes from a totally different culture, different race, different nationality, all the way across the world, I have a tighter bond with him than I do with some of my extended family. Right. That I've spent a lot of a lot of time with, right? Because some of my extended family members they, they don't love Jesus Christ. Right? They don't they don't know him. They don't serve him. And so Bosco is my brother more than my extended family that, that doesn't know the Lord. And, and for so many of us, we have the tremendous blessing of having those two families not be separated, but, but joined together. That's a tremendous blessing, right? When, I mean, parents, we have no greater joy than to see our children walking in the truth. Do we, do we not, right? That, that there would be that, that unity. That is a tremendous blessing from the Lord. But, but let's, let's ask ourselves the question, Like, are we, as a church family, are we as tight or tighter knit together than even a physical family, right? If, if people were to look at an Italian family having a spaghetti dinner and the church, which one would be tighter knit, would they say? Hopefully it's not just the, you know, the spaghetti that's, that's, hopefully the spaghetti has a looser appeal than the gospel of, of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, I, I hope that that's true, of, of, of us, right? That that's the way that God has designed it, that even Jesus Christ himself says, hey, I'm closer with the people who do the will of my father than I am for the people that I'm physically related to. You know, they say that blood is, is thicker than water, but we've got to acknowledge that God in the Bible says that spirit is thicker than blood, right the, the the blood of christ truly unites us spiritually to god in a way that transcends even what a physical family can be united in right that we're we're joined and knit together right is that is that you when you think about lakeside right it, you know even if i know many of us we have the joy of having extended family that know the lord and there's just great great uh, affection there. I got to spend some time a couple of weeks ago with my dad and my brothers who, who all love the Lord. And it was just, it was a blessing. It, it was a joy to spend time uh, with, with my family. Many of you, that's a, that's a blessing. But, but for those of you who maybe have extended family that, that doesn't know the Lord, like, do, do you yearn to be with God's people more in a sense, right? Not that not that we're saying don't spend time with physical family or don't don't get together, but in, but in your heart, who who are you really thinking is your family? Right? Is it is it your brothers and sisters in Christ? Right? In some ways, even more than than physical brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Turn over to Ephesians uh, chapter chapter four, and let's just see this same concept of of unity and closeness and and being knit and joined together in the example that, that Paul, Paul gives, right? Ephesians 4, I know, is a chapter that's very, very familiar and very dear to many of us. And if you were to just read with me towards uh, verse 15, uh, Paul writes, "'Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way into him who is the head into Christ.'" from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is it, it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love right the example you know we we see paul using examples of the churches it's like a it's like a building right that's you know bolted together and fit closely together it's like the human body that god is designed to be tight and fit fit together. That's the way that the church is. It, it also in Colossians chapter two nineteen, 19, uh, Paul also gives, you don't have to turn there, I'll just mention it quickly, but it's the same concept that, that Paul says that, hey, that, that we are, you know, the head is Jesus Christ and the body that we are joints and ligaments that he has put uh, together, right? And uh, recently in the last maybe eight or nine years of my life, some of my ligaments have become more dear to me than I think they were... Um, when some of you have seen me walking gingerly about Lakeside Bible Church, uh, I appreciate the, the references to me becoming an old man uh, as, as, of, as of late. And um, it all started about uh, seven or eight years ago when I was playing basketball. And, uh, you know, Corey, it was like Corey was watching me. We'd just gotten married. You know, I'm thinking about impressing her and, you know, just helping her, you know, garner more, uh, you know, affection and appreciation for her husband and his so-called skills and uh, w- whatever. And so I, I go to, to plant my foot and I'm, I'm going to change direction and, and, and go this way. But my knee doesn't get with the program, right? It's not, it's not following the you know, direction of the head at that moment. And so my, my kneecap, which is supposed to be right here, you know, uh, is all the way over here on, on this side. And I, I tore my anterior cruciate ligaments, right? The ACL as it's uh, commonly, commonly known, right? And I fell to the ground screaming like a girl in pain. And uh, all of this manliness and, that I had hoped... God just worked humility in, in, my, in my life that, that, that day. And recently I just was playing basketball again and the same, same thing, not, uh, I hope not to the same extent as, as the last time, but I think I, I sprained the, the, that the ligaments that we have that hold our bones and, and everything together, that those are supposed to be tight, right? And, and what happens when you sprain something is that actually that ligament gets loosened. It gets, it gets stretched and pulled beyond where it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be tightly holding things together. And when it gets kind of loosey-goosey, you you feel it, right? And so that's why I've been walking the way that I have, because something is not right with that ligament, right? That there was something that's supposed to be tight and, and, and now is, is, is not. And that that my whole body has been feeling that. Let's just be honest. I mean, it's like the, the, the thigh bone is connected to the, you know, it's all, it's all part of one, one body here. And, and as I've been going, it's like, man, my, my knee problems are now leading to like back problems and neck problems. And it's just like, man, Jesus, come now and, and take me home because I'm, I'm ready to be done. And all of you who are older and wiser than me, just, you know, pat me on the head and say, bless your heart, you know, um, <laughs> But the body is supposed to function in this way that, that you've got to realize that God has designed you as a Christian to be tightly knit, tightly connected with other believers. Right? And He, in His wisdom, in His plan, that is the mechanism through which the entire body is going to grow. That as I'm connected to the head, and you're connected to the head, and we're connected to each other that we're going to grow with the growth that's from God as we're tightly, tightly connected to one another, right? This, this picture, right, this, these examples, these commands that we see in Scripture, do they go a little bit beyond just showing up and consuming the same content and hearing the same air conditioning for, for a couple hours each, each Sunday morning? They go so far beyond that, right? That, you know, whenever I've had problems with my knee, you know, my doctor doesn't say, hey, well, we'll just take it out for a little bit. We'll put it over here in a jar and once a week we'll get it back connected and see how that, how would that go for me, right? Like, you know, if, if something isn't, isn't working right, like my body's all out of joint, that's the same thing for us as a church family, that we need to be connected to each other and connected at, 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 a, at a deeper level than, than we can even on a Sunday morning right? We need to be connecting outside of Sunday mornings. And Sunday mornings, we hope that this is a great time to come together as a, as a communal body and worship Christ. And I just get so, uh, so excited to sing God's praises with you and, and to hear the same word and be affected by it together alongside you. But we've got to allow this to be a launching point, you know, that we're going to lunch together afterwards and we're having each other in our in our homes after that. And, and men are getting together at IHOP in the mornings to study the word and to pray. And, and, and we're getting together at Starbucks and Chiller B. And, 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 you know, we're doing things together. We're, you know, having people take vacations as families together. And we're getting our kids on the same sports teams that, that our lives need to be connected, right? And, and this is kind of countercultural to us, right? We, we want to we have big pieces of property that kind of keep us insulated from, from other people, right? That we don't want to necessarily be close and tight-knit, right? That sometimes that's hard, right? Sometimes that other, that other bone moves in a way that you're like, whoa, what was that, right? That there's, there's difficult and challenging things. It's going to take effort. But are you really connected with other believers here at Lakeside? Some, many of you are. And so this is just an encouragement, right, that that's a, a work of God in your heart and to keep going in that. But there, there are many at Lakeside who are on the fringe, right? And, and, I, and I'd, say, I'd say if that's you, don't, don't wait for others to chase you down, right? Don't, don't wait for someone to come up to you. Go to someone else, right? Don't be hard to get, you know, put yourself down next to other, some other people in, at Lakeside and, and pursue them get to know them, you know, chase them in conversation, uh, invite them into, into your life, want, want to share your life together with them, be in their homes and, and do normal things together. That's what, what Jesus did, didn't he? Right? Jesus didn't just say, hey, I'm going to get together once a, once a week and I'm going to preach uh, to the people of, of, of Israel and then next week, here's the time you'll see me You'll see me then, right? No. What did, he, what did he do? He he grabbed a group of people and he lived life with them, right? He he grabbed a group of people and said, "Let's let's do life together," right? And they, they even did normal things, right? Going to a wedding at Cana, right? There was they were just sharing life together. And as they're doing that, as they're joint and knit together, that that God is working in so many so many different ways, right? A body full of sprained joints might live. But won't really function as it's designed to be. So it's our love for, for one another that's going to be a testimony. And so uh, I just want to ask you to think, do, do you love the people of Lakeside Bible Church? Do you, do you love? Is your heart knit and joint together, right that you see that connected this, that is so deep that is a part of what God has done in you to bring you uh, to him? To himself, right? We've got to have that kind of love for one another. Next thing we'll see about the way that the church functions and that is that the church is a community of highly committed participants. Right? If we're gonna be at this level, it's it's gonna take some some commitment, it's gonna take some effort, it's gonna take some some resolve, and I think far too often right? What everybody talks about of the 8020 principle, that's a term that's thrown around a lot. Sadly, it can become true in the life of a church that we've got, you know, a smaller subset of the entire church body that is very active and very, very working very hard. And then there's perhaps a larger group that, that takes a more passive role within the body of, of, of Christ. And I, and I think that There's many people that even kind of herald this as a virtue. Well, I don't want to be too aggressive. I don't want to be too, you know, pursuing things. I just want to kind of be a little bit more low-key and nonchalant. Um, But that's where that, that game of telephone starts happening, right? That, hey, you know, it's okay for, there's the like elite, aggressive people over there, but I'm just a normal person over here. I don't have to be that involved or put forth that much, that much effort. Like, let's turn to the early church, right? If we're, if we're going to go back to the initial, um, the initial rendering of what this community looked like, I think we're going to be challenged. Acts chapter 2, please turn there. In your in your Bibles, and let's just see the description of this body of believers, right? The, you know, you guys remember how how it worked, right? That after Jesus rose from the dead, he spent time strengthening uh, the apostles and the the group of believers, and there's this small band of about 120 uh, people or so, and, and Jesus says, "Hey, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, until you receive power." And that's the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit shows up in a miraculous way that. Garners everyone's attention. Peter preaches, uh, maybe one of the first sermons in the life of the church after Christ, and, um, and and look what God does, right? Three thousand. Look at look at how it says in verse. 37, the response, it says, and when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one, and one of you in the name of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who were far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Can we get an amen on that one? Can we, Shannon, Shannon, where are you at? We need you back here. Um, 3,000 souls. I mean, wouldn't that bring us great joy to see that happen in Montgomery, Texas? right? That the work of the Holy Spirit cuts people to the heart. They are convicted by their sin and they are crying out, what must we do? And we get to proclaim to them that salvation is available through Jesus Christ and that they will repent and 3,000 souls. So here, right, you know, we got a church of about maybe 3,120-ish at, at that At that time, and it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, right? They are going to great lengths to spend time together and to serve and love one another. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, that this wasn't a, hey, be warmed and be filled type of community. It was, hey, let me sell something that I have so that I can love my brother, my my sister, my family. And day by day, right, not just one day, a week, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved, right? Here it is, the body is formed, that they are united to Jesus Christ, they're saved, they're added to the community and the community is together, they are tight-knit and day by day, the Lord is causing the body to grow, right? Drawing them to himself by their love for one another that the way that these people cared for one another and loved each other was a testimony that caused the gospel to continue to spread from the church in Jerusalem at that point. And i thought about this a little bit recently, right? So we think that's, that's amazing. That's, that's worthy of note. And that 3,000 would come to faith in one day, and, and not in a shallow, superficial way, but in a real way that they are committing their lives to the Lord, willing to die uh, for him. And, and, and if we think about this, it continues to grow, right? We see 3,000 right at the beginning, and we see in verse 47 that day by day, God is adding to their number, those that were saved. So we're looking at lots of people here. 3,000, there's initial 120. We're adding more and more on a daily basis. And then go to Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Just, just turn over a few, a few chapters there right after uh, Ananias and Sapphira are killed by the Holy Spirit. That's a good church growth strategy. Um, you know, we should write a book on that and put it in Barnes and Noble. Um, but in verse 12, right, uh, it says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people at the hands of the apostles, and they were all together, that togetherness, again, in Solomon's portico, and none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem, that there was a certain amount of fear about being a part of the church, but everybody realized, man, these people, they love each other, they love each other, that we, there's a respect that we have for the church, and it says in verse 14, and... People just died. People were killed by the Holy Spirit. But now, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. This is exploding. It is on fire. It is going all over the place. Now, let me ask you, what was the staff size of this church? Think about that for a second. All right, so we start off with how many maybe full-time staff, if we were to call it that. We got... 12 of them, right? They're the apostles. And as this church grows and explodes, we see in Acts chapter 6 that then we start to see some challenges start, start to, uh, if you go to chapter 6, verse 1, in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, just a little, right? A complaint by the Hellenists or the Hellenistic Jews arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve. Right? Leadership team. Summon the full number of the disciples. That's a big meeting right there. And said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So we add seven kind of full-time guys. Right? So if my arithmetic is correct, 12 7 is, is 19. Now, if we look at the church at that time, right, we see there's 120 at the beginning, 3,000 added at the day of Pentecost, and then there's a period by day by day, people are being saved, and then there's this time in Acts 5, 14, where more than ever, multitudes are being saved. So if, if ever was 3,000, more than ever, has got to be at least 3,001, would you, could we agree by that for the sake of, for the sake of argument? right? And so if we were to say that the early church at this time is about 7,500 people here, here in Jerusalem, and we've got 19 full-time guys, how, how many people is one of those guys kind of shepherding? Anybody have an iPhone calculator? They could do the math on that. Actually, I've already done it. It's about 394 people per full-time person. Now, it's interesting that Lakeside Bible Church has approximately 394 people, right? We're just about that size, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, you know, some weeks maybe a little bit bigger, some weeks a little bit, a little bit less. And, and how many people do we have full-time here, here at Lakeside? Praise God it's now three, right? Uh, that are like full-time, that's our full-time vocation. We're so blessed to be freed up and even supported by the church for the work of the ministry. So, so blessed by Chris and, and just the way He has jumped in to ministry at at Lakeside. But we've also got more than just the three of us. We've got a team of dedicated and godly and hardworking elders, right? We've got six more guys there. We've got a team of, I believe, was it 12 or 13 deacons that even this morning they were meeting and working hard and they serve us so faithfully and so, so well, right? that We've got a team of about 20, but if you were to ask people on that team to say, hey, do, do we feel like you know, we're overstaffed or you know, we've got too many people? No, that's not what we would, would say. We would say, hey, we, we, need, we need more help. This, this way of shepherding this many people is, is a heavy burden, right? That apart, from, apart from Christ and the fact that he's ultimately the one building his church, we would all be crushed by it. Um, so I, I think, as I'm just getting the picture there, it wasn't just the 19 people that were doing the work of the ministry, right everybody was involved right every single person for the body to function in that way that there's many 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 homes that it's not like they had homes in the same way that we have today we got 7 8000 square feet 4000 square feet 2000 square feet right these these homes weren't this weren't the same everybody's involved everybody's doing the work of ministry together. It's not, well, those are the people that minister and I'm the people who watch those people minister or, or just are a part of helping that ministry happen financially. Like, we're all involved. We're all, we're all doing this together, right? We need you, right? If we're gonna function as, as the church is designed to function, that we'll, we'll never be able to hire enough people Or create enough positions to do that adequately. That has to be an all-in. Everybody is doing their part. Everybody is joint and knit together if this church is going to continue to grow in the way that God has designed for it to do, right? And we all have different roles in that. And and so as pastors and and elders, like we have the role as, as Ephesians. If you go back to Ephesians 4, let's go back there, right? And we see this concept that we're, we're all involved, right? We're all joint and knit together. There are certain roles that help that uh, to happen. Verse 11 of, of Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, verse 12, to equip who? The saints, Christians, people who have been set apart, have been sanctified by, by Jesus Christ, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Do, do you guys realize that that's all of us, right? The body's going to be built up, not just by Ken, not just by the elders, not just by the people who have, you know, titles of some certain role, but by all of us, right? We're all in this together. And so, and so we, we, we need you, right? We need you to be a highly committed, highly invested participant here at lakeside right there 's far too many people in our culture today who, who have something else driving the show in their life that, that puts church on the back burner really oh my, my career has has so enveloped my life that I have no time to be a be really joint and knit together with other believers in my church right or or maybe it 's my hobby right that, that really I just live for for playing golf all the time or for you know my own entertainment or or whatever it might be there are so many other things that can consume our, our focus and our time that we forget that hey I I've, I've got a role I've got a job to do I need to be committed to the work of God through Lakeside Bible Church and I know so many of you I don't I don't say that to say that hey we don't none of us are doing that we have example after example of those who do that, that yes, they, they work at a job. No, they don't have a title. They don't have a position, but they are highly committed to the work of God in and through Lakeside Bible Church. I, I hope that that's you. And as, as we're thinking about this, I, I think we've got we've to clarify and, and remember what Ephesians 4 says to us, that, that there, there can be some that say, hey, we're just going to spend time together, and that that's great. We're going to be so tight-knit. But really, all we're doing is, is talking about Politics and talking about the latest movie that we've seen, or you know, maybe we're getting into a hobby together all of those things are, are not bad they're not they're not good but but as we're joint and knit together we're, we're joint and knit together for for a purpose that we're, there's going to be something that happens as, as I get close into the life of another person at lakeside that, that there's going to be something that happens at that point and we see it in verse 15 it says rather rather than us being children tossed to and fro by the waves of deceitful schemes and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning rather what god not that is what god wants for us but rather than that he wants each and every one of us to be speaking the truth in love to one another rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him that growth is going to happen as we bring God's word to bear in each other's lives, right? If, if we're hanging out all the time and all it is is just eating spaghetti, like that doesn't necessarily fit the bill of what God has designed us for, right? Like, hey, praise praise the Lord if we're enjoying life together, but it's got to go deeper and further than just, hey, we've got some shared experiences together. We've, we've done fun things together. We've enjoyed time as a family. We've got to go that next step of actually speaking into each other's lives. And I think as, as many, many think about this, they think it's cheesy. They think we just get together and quote Bible verses to each other. Uh, and it's like, how, how many Bible verses do we have to quote before we can get on to the conversation we really want to have about the Houston Rockets or the Texans and how they're going to do this season and what J.J. Watt is going to going to bring to the table, right? Now, I mean, we are memorizing scripture together and talking through that together, but there's just going to be a natural sense in which God gives us opportunity to speak his word gently and lovingly into the lives of other people, right? As I'm getting close to someone, I'm going to see their life, Right, in a way that, hey, when we're here and we're just all in the room, we can we can all look pretty pretty good. But if I'm joint and knit together, if I'm spending time with someone, I, I'm gonna see that they're a sinner. Just like they're gonna see that I'm a sinner. Right? You spend time with me, you will be convinced, right, that that I, I'm not perfect, right? I still battle against my, my flesh, right? And as I as I see that in in the life of my brother, my sister, God has given me the ability to speak to that, right? To, to lovingly and gently come alongside them as, as Galatians 6 says, right? And, and try to restore them. Try and say, hey, I've noticed this in your, in your life. I've noticed that when things don't go your way, you just kind of have a pattern of complaining about that. And I don't know if you even realize that I know I'm blinded to my own sin a lot of times and God needs, God, I need other believers to speak God's truth into my life and to help me see myself Clearly, right? That, that you might serve another brother by even making them aware of certain areas of, of growth that's needed in their life that they're not even aware of at this point. Right? I've, I've noticed that. And then, hey, I just want to encourage you like, God knows what He's doing in your life. He's not absent from this situation. You might just be complaining about this circumstance, but He's really sovereign and in control of it all. So, so really, you're complaining against Him. Like, Hey, I want to remind you, like, do all things without grumbling or, or complaining. Like, realize that that's what God wants for, for you. And let me help you. And let me pray with you about that together. That's not cheesy. That's loving someone else, right, when we're, when we're joint and knit together. And, and, and some of you, you're like, well, how would, I, how would I know what to talk to someone else about? Let me, let me tell you, if, if you're asking that question, right, like, get knit with some other believers and you'll know. Right? Watch, watch their life. We have to know before we just try to, to throw something into the pot. Proverbs 18.13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Right? that We've got to know people and, and be invested in their lives. And as we do that, then we will have opportunities to speak because we'll actually know what's going on. Or if I actually have something to speak to, or, or a friend that we know, and we're we're living life together with them, they're going through something challenging, something difficult. There's a trial in their life that speaking the truth and love to them means coming alongside them and saying, "Hey, I just want to remind you that this life is short, right? And you have a rest ahead of you, right? Your your neck's hurting. Your 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 ACL is is having, having issues. Praise God for, for heaven, right? That we can." look forward to. This world is not our home. And let's go to James 1, and let's remember that God has designed trials to refine our faith, to test us, to purify us, to grow us, to help us uh, proceed in our walk with the Lord. We've got to be going to James 1. Like, that's a go-to passage that we've got to be speaking that truth and reminding, "Hey, hey, I know we lose perspective so quickly. That's why we need to speak to each other, right? I need people to remind me of what I already know to be true, right? That I just lose sight of at certain points in, in my life and in the midst of s- certain circumstances. That we need to be reminding each other. We talked on Wednesday night just about ha- having the gospel be fresh and sweet to us, that we won't be very excited to share the good news if we don't think it's all that great, right? That, that joy that we have in what God has done for us in His Son. Jesus Christ, like if that's fresh to me this week, I'll have more eagerness to talk about that with someone else who needs to, to hear it, right? That we need to be going to each other and, and as we continue to see that we struggle against our flesh and we aren't perfect and we long to be perfect and we long to honor the Lord in the way that he is due and he is worthy that we remind each other of Romans 8.1 that there's, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That yes, you're You're a sinner and I am too. And we've seen fresh evidence of that this week, but praise God that Jesus paid it all. Right? No wrath remains for us to face as we sang in that that last song. Like we need to be bringing that home across the table as we're sharing a meal together, as we're as we're spending time as families as we're interacting with each other before and afterwards on a on a Sunday. That's We could talk so much more about how that community functions, but we've got to see that that's way deeper than what a lot of people think going to church really means. Right? God has called us to so much more, and not called us just in a sense of duty. Of oh man, that this is a blessing that God has designed the body of believers—people that are different than you, but yet we're united through Jesus Christ. That that's a mechanism for growth. Right, and, and I just know that every time I grow and progress in my walk with the Lord, I get more joy. Right, I see Christ's sacrifice as even deeper and richer and sweeter for me. I'm, I'm that much more eager to, to continue to grow and to continue to seek the, the Lord. But the second thing I want us to just look at briefly before, before we close is where does this community come from? Right, If that's what we should do, should it, should it only be us just just trying, trying harder? I hope that we do try, try harder. But, but I hope that we see, uh, you know, even before chapter four of Ephesians, go back to chapter two, you know, after that famous uh, passage in, in uh, verses one through 10 of chapter two, Paul writes something that I think is just so, so crucial for us. He says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by himself, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, this community in in Ephesus that Paul is urging to be joint and knit together Jews, Gentiles, right? Have there been in that day, were there any two groups of people that despised each other more than Jews and Gentiles? I mean, if we look at the way that Jews treated Samaritans, where they weren't fully Gentiles, they were just half Gentiles. It's like, we, we don't even want to walk into Samaria. Like, we will go miles and miles outside of our way, not even to have to see these people. But yet, in Jesus Christ, through what he has done, there's two groups of people that in no way would have had community with one another that now have been made one in Jesus Christ. Right? And it's, it's what God has done for us through his son that makes that possible. The, the title of this message I, I put as a gospel community because it's gotta be the gospel that unites us. It's gotta be what Jesus Christ has done for us that defines who you are and who I am so that we have this kind of tight-knit together, right? We, we see natural community happen other places besides the church, right? The Boy Scouts, the Rotarians, right? I talked about this a little bit with the college group and none of them knew who Rotarians were. I had to educate them a little bit right? Uh, People who are a part of the same country club, right? People that go to the same school or or have the same homeschooling co-op, right? And and I think that, you know, if we go back to where we started, that there's a certain aspect of our community that's got to be different than those communities, right? Nobody looks at the Rotarians and says they are disciples of Jesus Christ because of their love. Some of them are, obviously, hopefully. Right? But nobody looks at that and says, absolutely, that is something that must be the work of God in their life. That's, that's just people coming together around a common interest, right? But our, our community, right, Colossians 3.11 says here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all, right? that there's a certain unity and togetherness that only the gospel can bring. That so far supersedes what's natural that when people, when they look at it, they say, that's obviously gotta be a work of the Lord because nothing natural could do that. I mean, we think of like race relations, even this last year in America, right, have, have, have flared up to the point that we, we need people to see African Americans and and Anglos, right? Whites. We need to see them worshiping together. I I, I wish maybe there was a visitor that last Sunday that just saw that, hey, here's these guys who, who aren't like us in any way, but yet they're our brothers, right? Yet there's this together, togetherness, right? Um, you know we we need to see somebody you, you know who, who is as much of a high-fashion person as could be possible sitting right next to someone who loves NASCAR with a passion and they are like brothers. And so, I mean, those are the kind of things, right, that when when our community defies what's just natural and what's just based around our own interests, that's a testimony to the power of the gospel, right? There there might be communities and churches that a non-believer could go into and observe and, and not think anything supernatural is going on. Right. Yeah. Obviously. Right. This is the, you know, church for English speaking people of Asian descent. Obviously. Right. They just flock together. Right. There. There it is. Right. It's natural. It's it's understandable. Right. One pastor, I think, helpfully referred to it this way, that that there are some churches that are a gospel community that really it's who we are in Christ that unites us so far and above and beyond any other thing that is naturally occurring in us. But he also says that there's other churches that are gospel plus communities. That yes, the gospel is there, but what really unites us is the plus. It's not Christ. It's not his work that he's accomplished for us. It's it's something else. It's the fact that our families have been friends for a long time. And so we're jointing it together because our families have known each other for years and years, right? Um, these people, they're really kind to us, and so we're really kind back, right? If you love those who love you, what, what credit is that to you? That's not necessarily something supernatural that only the gospel of Jesus Christ could accomplish. Right? Maybe, maybe there's communities that are just formed around certain interests. You like riding ponies? I like riding ponies. Let's go ride ponies together. The world understands that, right? Or of our, of our background, that, hey, you're from, you're from New York. I'm from New York. Let's get together and talk in our New York accents, right? Um, or sports, or, or we have common preferences, right? We have the same schooling preference. And so what really unites us and knits us together is, is yes, the gospel, but also our, our preference, Or, or hey, we like public schooling, and so hey, we're we're the public schooling. So really, we're just united around really the public school rather than we are the work of Jesus Christ for for us or our age, right? That hey, you know, walk into a church, and all the older people are hanging out with all the older people. All the younger people are hanging out with all the younger people. That is not necessary. That's natural. Right? Older people don't want to hang out with these young whippersnappers, right? Who are you know kind of rowdy and rambunctious and say things that we don't know what they mean and talk in acronyms that don't make sense, um, right? Let me ask you this. If a person got saved, was united to Jesus Christ, and they came to Lakeside, and they didn't have the same background, they didn't have the same interests, they didn't have the preferences that we do, that so many of us have, would they be instantly accepted here? Right? Maybe they'd be accepted into the room, but would they be accepted into small groups of people that they could be tightly knit with? Or, or would they get the picture from us and from our community that, yes, they believe the gospel there, but I've also got to go for the plus before I'll really be in. I'll really be tight knit with people. That In order to get in with them, I, I would need to also adopt another preference of theirs or, or like, I don't have the same background. Right? All these people, they seem like they came from, from good Christian homes. I was dealing drugs last week right? It's got to be who we are in Jesus Christ that unites us. When, when that is what unites us, that will be something that people in this world cannot explain, right? When, when we see an older person at Lakeside spending time investing in the life of someone younger that isn't like them, that they don't necessarily even share some of the same interests with, that's something that causes people to take notice, Right, that's something that says this is the love that we have for one another that's the same love that Jesus Christ had for us. Look at the transforming, totally changing power of that love. So as, as we leave, um, I want to encourage you that, that this kind of community, right, as John said in 1 John 1, that this fellowship that we have with one another is ultimately a byproduct of the fellowship that we have in Christ. And so the best way for you to get more tightly knit and, and closer with other believers at Lakeside is for you to do what Shannon encouraged us to do last week, to walk with God, right? That you, you love him, you are spending time with him, that will draw you closer to people that maybe right now you're, you're not as close with, you're not as friends with, as you see that, hey, I, I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and here's this other person. We've got nothing in common except for that, but that's the most important thing, right? That's what unites us more than, more than anything else, right? Focus on Christ, but I hope too that as you'll go home today that, that you'll, you'll take stock of where you're at, right? Many of you, I hope that this message just serves to encourage you, right? That God is doing a great work in your life and, and, and you excel still more, right? Be, be, be encouraged. There's so many of you that I just look at even as I you know, scan, scan the room and I just see you and you're, you're exactly what we've been talking about this morning. But even as I look at this in my own life, I, I see got areas where God wants to refine and God wants to grow me. And, and I'm, I'm prayerfully wanting to, to change as a result that I, I don't want to be saying, oh, it's okay that as this telephone message has been passed along, I'm okay you know, existing at you know level three. I, I want to go back to the source and say, okay, that's, that's what God wants for my life. That's what I'm going to pursue by his grace. And, and I hope that for, for some of us, if, if you're on the The fringe right now. I I even wanted to give this message to give us a lot of time to think because every fall, it seems like grow groups come up and we are trying to encourage that. Uh, Grow groups aren't uh, necessarily like a biblical commandment, right? That you have to have grow groups and call them that. But we want to facilitate this type of community. We really want to take specific steps to flesh out what God has called us to in the picture that he's provided of the way he wants us to function here at, here at Lakeside. So I just want to ask you to be praying about that. And so many of you, your grow group is, is just such a blessing to you and those people you, you love deeply and, and dearly. And, and I know for, for some of us, we're missing out on that, right? If you're not in a grow group, you, you're missing out on really being a part of all that God wants to do and, and knowing the joy of having other people love you and speak into your, your life. And ultimately, my friends, I I hope that as God continues to refine us in this and grow us in this, that we will function in that way that Jesus described. That by our love, our, our love that can only really be explained by the gospel, right? That we were far off, but through Christ we've been brought near and now we have fellowship with those who have fellowship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That that would spread through our community that people would look at lakeside and see the gospel demonstrated in the life of our church and we're in an area that needs the gospel we're in an area where many need to be saved they need to be rescued from their sin and god has designed this body to function in such a way that that will happen so let's pray and, and ask god to do that in our hearts together lord we uh where we just got to confess to you lord that um Lord, I, I just want to confess to you, God, that we, we struggle, Lord. We, our flesh is so naturally bent on selfishness, Lord, that I am so naturally bent to, to seek my own comfort and to do what is easy uh, for myself and, and not, not to see the better way that you have provided uh, in your church. And, and so, Lord, we, we want Uh, to continue to grow. Lord, I thank you for the great work that you've already done at at Lakeside in the heart of of so many that, um, Lord, you've you've clearly manifested your power and and you receive the glory for the relationships of so many here. But God, we want to continue to grow. Lord, we want to continue to be refined and to be that witness that you have designed for us to be. And so God, we pray that that ultimately that you would place more affection for yourself in our hearts. God, that as we all grow in our love for you and Lord, how dear you are to us, Lord, that that would unite us deeper on a deeper level than sports or interests or backgrounds could could ever unite us, Lord, that we would be united in our love for Jesus Christ. But God, also just give us love for one another. Lord, give us that affection. Lord, help us to be very quick to overlook the faults of our, of our brothers, Lord, knowing that we too are, are sinners and in process. And Lord, may we, may we join together. Lord, may we even seek uh, fresh ways to do that this week. Lord, might we uh, Lord, even take stock of our own relationships and and, and ask you to show us whether it's truly you that, that is what truly unites us or whether it's, it's something else that really forms the deepest bonds that we enjoy in our friendships and in our, our family relationship here at your church. Lord, we just want to glorify you. We just want to give you all the honor that you are due. And so we ask for your help in that, Lord. And we know that you will give it because you are faithful to build your church. And so uh, we, we just thank you for your word and the confidence that we can have in you. Amen.